today's Leading Women episode 364 with the wonderful Sherman Cruz. Women all over the world, get ready for inspiring and empowering interviews from women at the top of their field who are kicking butt in their business and who are prepared to share shocking revelations from being in the limelight. You are now listening to Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg. Podcast your passion. Yes, did you know you can podcast your passion, make a difference, and make money talking about what you love talking about? That's how I get to do what I'm doing, talking to wonderful women every day. Here are today's leading women. Want to learn how I did it? Go to podcastyourpassion.com. That's www.podcastyourpassion.com. Yes, women of the world, let's get started. I am delighted to introduce you our amazing guest for today, Sherman Cruz. Born in Iran, Sherman Cruz is among the youngest minorities to partner at the top-tier Chicago firm of Barack Ferrazano, co-founder and director of Pasfarda Arts and Cultural Organization. Sherman's passion for the arts was highlighted this year through her debut novel, Butterfly Stitching. Besides her contributions to the artistic world, Sherman was a commentator on NPR's Worldview, served as an advice columnist for Chicago Lawyer magazine and writes her own personal blog on Huffington Post. She's also a corporate partner of the National Association of Women Business Owners, where she advises women business owners in every aspect of their business. So Women of the World, Ms. Sherman Cruz, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I am delighted to have you on the show, and I'm sure our listeners are as well. So, Sherman, I really like what you're doing with your business. You are a success in your own right. You put in the effort, you know, the sweat equity, the knowledge and experience to build a special business you call your own. As a result of that, our listeners really want to get to know you, and I want to provide that conduit, you know, that bridge between you and our listeners. So here are some cool questions that we can talk about. Feel free to comment and time about them, but these are just general questions I have in mind. Sounds great. All right, so let's start with your business. You know, there might be people out there who want to start one and have no clue how to go about it. Can you tell us more about your business and the idea behind the niche? Well, the legal profession is definitely a business that provides a variety of different niches depending on the area of interest that you have. I practice commercial litigation, which means I represent large corporations in disputes against other large corporations, which basically means I get paid to argue for a living. (laughs) It's something that I have always enjoyed. I was a debater in high school, a philosophy major in university with a focus on logic and argument, and then I, I attended law school. Of course, to be an attorney in the United States of America, you do need both an undergraduate degree as well as a law degree. A lot of graduating lawyers coming out of law schools are left with very little means of determining which area of the law to go into. As I said, I'm a litigator, but there are many other types of lawyers, of course. There are corporate lawyers, there are real estate lawyers, there are employment lawyers. Um, So my advice to anybody who's interested in pursuing a practice of law would be to thoroughly investigate what these different fields of law involved, both in terms of substance, as well as in terms of work hours. 
as and my advice with respect to those who might be interested in an entrepreneurial type profession that is wanting to set up their own practice as opposed to joining a large firm should also find out as much as they can from as many different entrepreneurs regarding what's involved in running your own law firm. I'm a partner in a large law firm, but I have lots of friends who've left large law firms to start their own practice. So there's a variety of ways of doing this. Well, I love what I'm hearing about your business and, and you know, partnering with a big uh, company, uh, litigation company. And of course, for our listeners out there who want to venture um, practicing your own or being go, going into a private practice, for example, especially for our listeners out there who are lawyers, who are attorneys, who are in this niche, there are ways like what uh, Sherman just shared with us on how to go about it. And if you decide to go uh, on a private practice, or if you want to if you decide to partner with other um, attorneys or other lawyers in your industry, great uh, that you've shared that one with us. But what continues to inspire you doing this uh, work that you do? Well, to be honest with you, my my work in the legal profession is inspired largely by my love for thinking. I really enjoy thinking. I really enjoy problem solving. And I really enjoy creative thought. I think a lot of people believe that being a lawyer means that you have to be, you know, boring. Of course, a lot of the job involves sitting at the desk and writing documents. Uh, but in, in reality, what we do as lawyers is we tell stories, particularly as litigators, because we go to court. You know, there's a judge and a jury sitting there. And, you know, your client has his side and the other guy's client has their side. And both sides are usually pretty good. And it's your job as the lawyer or as the advocate to tell your client's story in a way that convinces the judge or the jury to reach an opinion in favor of your client. I will tell you, I think the same thing is true of real estate lawyers, uh, negotiators, those who do mergers and acquisitions. At the end of the day, what you're doing is you are using creative problem-solving skills. You are telling stories. In, in a way to convince the other side, the other attorney, to either reach an agreement with you or the judge or the jury to find in favor of you. And for me, creative problem solving is fun and enjoyable. I, I really genuinely like my job and what they say. If you want to be happy in life, do what you love. Wow, certainly that's inspiring, and you're one of the few who really enjoy and love what you do. I mean, the love of of creative problem solving and you being an advocate to your clients certainly is an inspiration, a vision that I can see for yourself. And I really, I'm inspired by your inspiration as well to to be an advocate to your clients, to be an advocate to the clients that you represent, and being uh, be being helpful to them, being able to problem solve, being able to brainstorm what's the best uh, way for them, what's the best, what's in their best interest. So great that you shared that one with us. But what, you know, what, what, what are those three personal traits or personal qualities that help you become a successful entrepreneur or a private or, or, um, or a business owner that can, that our listeners can learn from? Well, I would say the first quality would be to not be afraid of failure. And I think this is really important. And I'll speak for myself. When my family immigrated from the Middle East to Canada, from there I moved to the States for law school. You know, we left with very little. And we did not have a great deal of means uh, growing up. Of course, we have had amazing parents. I'm very lucky to have had them. 
But nevertheless, there was a lot of failure in my path, and there continues to be. And the reality is that failure is something that happens every time we take risks. You can take measured risks, you can take intelligent risks, you can take risks that are worth taking, but any endeavor to succeed is going to require at least some likelihood of failure. And if you're afraid of that, then you will never succeed. So I would say, one, you should be absolutely comfortable with the fact that sometimes you will fall flat on your face. And that's okay, because you will get right back up and you'll climb another set of stairs. The second thing I would say is don't take yourself too seriously. You know, I think that as we begin to achieve, as we get older, as we uh, reach new heights in our careers, and you know, we used to be somebody in their first year out of school, and now we're somebody 12 years, 15 years, 20 years out of school, and we have all these young people working for us. Sometimes the stress and strain of success and leadership can be a lot. Um, and again, <clears throat> it can interface with the first trait I spoke of earlier, which is the more we succeed sometimes, the more we become afraid of failure because we think, well, gee, I've been doing this really well for 10, 20 years. I absolutely can't make any mistakes now. And we forget our humanity. We forget to laugh at ourselves and we forget to laugh with others. And we forget to give opportunities to young people who are coming up nervous and insecure just as we were once upon a time. So I would say the second trait would be to not take yourself too seriously. And the third trait, I would really say to give back to your community, no matter what your business is, really no matter whether you are a plumber or um, an attorney or a doctor or a nurse or a journalist, there are always ways to use your own special skills to give back to your community. And that will do two things. First, it will help you forgive yourself when you make mistakes. <laughs> and, and second, it will remind you of all that you have accomplished. So that even if you do have failures here or there, your ability to give back to your community and your interfacing with people far less fortunate than you is an instant reminder of that it will add not only to your happiness, but also to your likelihood of continued success. So that's not being afraid of failure and not taking yourself too seriously and giving back. I mean, being grateful of what you do, being reminded of what you have and what you are this day by way of contribution, by way of giving back, whatever that one is. Great traits and great qualities that you've just shared with us. And the good news is that we can all cultivate these qualities that Sherman just shared with us. You know, not being afraid of failure, not taking yourself too seriously, have that sense of humor. I mean, enjoy the journey, make it fun. Whatever it is that you do, make it fun. And of course, not to forget to give back, whether that be your time, your expertise, your what is, what is that you are offering out there, what is that you're providing. It's always if we are if we are grateful it really grounds us uh, to what we value the most so great takeaways there so thanks for sharing now let's talk about how you prepared for success you know that turned this vision that turned this inspiration into our reality because you know as entrepreneurs we face daily challenges that define our being and to get to those challenges takes a very special person and our audience wants to know that special person in you. So what have been your biggest challenges uh, and how have you addressed or overcame those barriers to success that a lot of women entrepreneurs face today? 
Well, I will tell you, my biggest challenges have also been, in many ways, my biggest blessings. So my, my biggest challenge has been juggling my family and my profession. I have three young children, and they are very demanding, <laughs> and they are absolute treasures. And I adore them. I love them with all of my heart. I will say they're not the only things I love in the world. While my family is the most important thing, I also really love my career. I love my passion. I love my drive. And I love being able to provide for my family. Um, but that juggling act has certainly been a great challenge for me, as I'm certain it is for the vast majority of women. You know, I think women have this experience, you know, sometimes you leave the house with a sick baby and you barely have enough time to change out of the shirt that has vomit on it before you run, run into the office. And then, you know, sometimes you have to leave the office early to get back home to the sick baby. And maybe you have to trust a colleague to finish a project. So that sort of, that sort of juggling act, I think, can be very challenging. You know, my advice to women with respect to that is first, choose a good partner. Choose a good life partner, a good husband, a good, uh, a good partner who will be there for you every step of the way, who understands that your career is important both to you and, and understands that they want your children to learn that it's perfectly acceptable for a woman to be a mother and a professional. It's a great lesson to teach kids if that's the choice of your mother. And my second advice would be to have a really great mother, a really great child, a musical service. And I think it's really, really difficult to leave the house, uh, to leave your kids, you know, and to come to work. It can be really challenging, but mostly because you miss them or you, you know, but you don't want to worry about them. You don't want to be thinking all day, are they safe? Are they happy? Are they thriving? If they're in a good childcare situation, then at least you don't have that concern. So that's been my primary challenge. I will say as a woman, uh, as a woman, Attempting to thrive in a very high-level professional world, there are, of course, lots of other challenges. There are built-in networks that sometimes exist um, for certain types of people that don't exist for others. You know, I have to build my own network. I don't come with a network. I don't have um, a dad or you know a, a mentor who is connecting me to their network. So one of the things that I really have to do is open myself up to my community. And not only to other business owners but, and other entrepreneurs, but everybody, you know, and you'd be surprised where business opportunities lie. And if you just open yourself out there and are comfortable sharing your opinions and your advice and your expertise with as many people as possible and being open about the fact that you seek business development opportunities, you'd be surprised how frequently you can come along and how easily you can build a network for yourself that maybe one day you can Wow, I certainly uh, can relate to what you've just shared with us. I mean, juggling many roles. You know, we have our family, we have our career, we have our business to take care of. I mean, we wear many hats, but just like what Sherman just shared with us, there's a great lesson in how we can... Um, we can overcome these challenges. And the good thing is that when we're sharing our experiences, when we're sharing these challenges with each other, we learn from how we're able to overcome them so that when it happens to us, we know how to deal with them. So great lesson there, great takeaway. So thanks for sharing those. And on that note, I would love for you to work to talk about work-life balance because, you know, being a business owner myself, 
Maintaining a work-life balance is so crucial to overall success in life. But the challenge with entrepreneurs is how to click on and click off and create a work-life balance, particularly if you have a family juggling many roles. So in your life as an entrepreneur, how do you maintain this work-life balance and what are some of the ways that you accomplish this in the areas of your health, your family, your relationships, and your business? Well, I have to tell you that I don't think work-life balance exists anymore. I think now it's work-life integration. There, there's been a fascinating development with technology, as I'm sure everybody uh, who's listening to this program is aware. Now we take our work with us everywhere. We have handheld devices, we have iPads, we have laptops. Likewise, we can bring our life with us everywhere. And this integration can be really fantastic because, you know, it's much easier than it used to be to leave the office in the middle of the day to attend your child's recital and come back. But then at the same time, during their soccer game on a Saturday, you might need to take a business call. And this level of integration, I do think, has made it a lot easier for women to succeed in the workforce. But as you said, it does make it very difficult then to sometimes just shut down. Sometimes shutting off that phone, shutting off that laptop, and really just focusing on dinner with your family. Likewise, you know, shutting down the, the, the connection to the nanny and really just focusing on the meeting at work can be a, a real challenge. We get almost so used to constantly checking our phone that we forget we have the option of putting it down. It's a struggle, you know, but I think that we need to find ways and each of us needs to find our own way and our own path of really focusing and learning and understanding when is it time to unplug and when is it time to replug back in because replugging back in will allow me to enjoy the best of both worlds. As far as our health is concerned, that's been an incredible challenge for me. I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, it's you are running out of the house and then running back home. And then often what happens with me is I, I try to get home to see the kids before dinner. We do dinner, we do Kumon homework, we get the kids to bed. And then I work from home. You know, my, my job is not a nine-to-five job. I frequently work at night, and I'm happy to do it. And I also write, and uh, I write for the Huffington Post, and I do that from home as well. And I write books and such. So where do you find time for your health? And where do you carve out that time to get that hour uh, or two of exercise here or there? You know, again, I would really, really encourage women to look at the food they give their children the activities that they arrange for their children and think to themselves, I do this because it's healthy for my child. I need to do this for myself too. If you're giving your child the best organic food and cutting their sweets, then try to treat your own body the same way. You know, uh, One of the things I try to do by way of exercise during my busy periods is really try to run after the kids and physically play with them. And it's, you know, it's, it's exhausting. <laughs> It's exhausting, but you know, if I haven't had time to get in a workout or even a, a yoga class or even a long walk all week, at a minimum, you know, when we're at the playground, I can run around with the kids for 20 minutes, half an hour, and get my heart rate going. So, so I do think that that is really important, and I do think that if we judged ourselves and our bodies by the same standards that we apply to our kids, that we as women would be a lot healthier. Wow, I love your take on this work-life balance. And uh, when you said about work-life integration, okay, I, too, I truly believe that instead of striving for perfect balance, which, I, which to me is just a myth, 
work let's look at this work-life balance as integration of both our of all areas of our lives of our work of our career of our business of our family of our personal life as integration instead of striving for that perfect balance because that makes us out of balance as in in my opinion and you know there are ways to do this i mean for example what sherman you share with us you know when you do activities with your children. Do, do physical activities with your children if you, it's, so, it's so hard to carve out that time to go on a gym, for example. But look at those physical activities that you can do with your children and treat it as your workout for that day or workout for that week, for example. And cleaning the house, for example, that's an activity. So physical activity, as long as we keep moving our body and then we have to treat ourselves well because more often we forget that our I mean, we forget to give the priority for ourselves, but it's really important to take care of ourselves because without our health, we won't be able to build this business that we are passionate about doing as well. So it's really important to carve out that time and find ways, find those activities, integrate or incorporate those activities that you can do with your children, with your family, or when you're up and about. Um, treat it as your as part of your activities, as part of your physical workout, for example. Great tips and I know this is an area, one of the areas that we, most of us struggle with, and I mean, a lot of us struggle with, but there are ways that we can deal with this. And let's learn from how Sherman is doing it as well. So great takeaway there. Now, let's talk about success and what success means to you. Your business appears to be financially doing quite well. And with that success, flows into other areas in the entrepreneur's life. Now, we'd like to also say that success is a mindset. I can have $10 in my pocket, but my mind feels like a millionaire. I feel great about myself and I'm moving forward. The opposite way will be a multi-billionaire and be totally miserable. So am I successful? Financially, yes. Individually, probably not. So in your journey as an entrepreneur, what does success mean to you? And what are some of the benchmarks that you use to measure your success? I appreciate that question. You know, I have to be honest in response that the definition of success has definitely changed for me significantly over the last decade. I would say when I started out in my profession, when I first graduated from law school, success for me was by large measure derived from financial measures. That is, you know, if I'm making X amount of money, then I'm very successful. That changed as I grew older and as I grew wiser. And I started to learn that success really was, of course, there is a financial component. Of course, you want to, you know, have a roof over your head and ha- have your children exposed to wonderful opportunities, etc. But the largest measure of success is finding joy and passion in what you spend most of your waking hours doing. And if, if that's happening, then you're successful. And it's really as simple as that. And if we keep setting our sights on, you know, more money, more money, more money, we will never find joy and we will never find comfort or passion. Of course, I work in a profession that is a very, very lucrative profession. Lawyers do very well financially. I will tell you, you know, they have a depression rate that's three times higher than the average person. And they are the fifth uh, highest suicide rates among all of the professions or lawyers. So again, I, I find great joy in this profession and I really enjoy it and I, I get to enjoy the financially lucrative components of it. But a lot of lawyers are not necessarily happy. So it is really important, I think, to judge your success 
by your passion for what you do and your uh, your feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day than, than by any other measure. I will say, as an immigrant and a woman, I have to admit, it has always been important to me to have that financial independence. No matter what I choose to do in my life, and whether I make more money or less money, there will be a component of me who will always rest easy in the knowledge that I do have this independence and that no matter what comes, that I can take care of myself and my family. And for me, that too is a measure of success. Wow, success is finding joy and passion in what you do. I really love that phrase. I really love your perspective on success because I truly believe also that success truly is, you know, finding that joy or having that joy, having that passion, being happy with what it is that you do while at the same time making a living or by helping other people through the works, through the profession that you do, through the business that you do. It's a great perspective. And at the end of the day, I truly believe that one of the greatest uh, sense of fulfillment is that knowing that you are doing what you are passionate about doing and that you are achieving those goals that you set for yourself, uh, not only financially, but uh, in terms of intangible benefits of being in business. Great takeaway there. Now, let's talk about one of the highlights of our show, and that's your advice for other entrepreneurs and those aspiring to be, especially to those who want to follow your footsteps. You obviously got some lessons learned under your belt of experience, so take it back to the past. Say you're going to start all over again as an entrepreneur, and you are in a class with other entrepreneurs who are hungry and thirsty for success or even for making that first buck. What types of special suggestions or advice and lessons that you learned would you give your fellow entrepreneurs, knowing where you came from and where you headed at? And if you can boil them down to your top three tips or advice, what would those three be? Well, I would definitely say, you know, I think we've talked about some of this before, but I would definitely say, don't be afraid of hard work and don't be surprised how, how far hard work can take you. You know, I genuinely believe this. I think that, you know, you get up in the morning and sometimes you, it's just too difficult. It's too difficult to go in to face another day. Some days are easy. Some days are tough. And, you know, we talked earlier about not being afraid of failure. Some days, you know, you're just recovering from a failure you had the day before, and it's, and it's even more difficult. But I really think, you know, put your head down, get in front of your computer or get into your office and do the hard work that's necessary to succeed. I genuinely believe that each of us has the potential to succeed, particularly if we are passionate about what we're doing. But we can't be afraid of putting in the effort that is required to make that success a reality. I have scarcely heard of an entrepreneur who, you know, their entire life is spent rolling out of bed, working a few hours here, a few hours there, and then becoming millionaires. I mean, that if that happens, it's extraordinarily rare. You know, most of us get here through hard work, and I think it is more difficult for women, and I think it is more difficult for minorities to succeed, and you do need to work hard. So don't be afraid to do that and put in the long hours. But um, having said that, my other piece of advice would be to raise your eyes every once in a while and look around. Look around your business. Look around your firm if you're with a company. Look around your network. Look for mentors. Look for teaching opportunities. Look for people who will partner up with you. You know, we walk through life and sometimes we walk through life too alone. Uh, And I don't mean socially, I mean professionally. 
Whereas it makes a lot more sense to build a community for ourselves from the minute we get started to build a, a network, not only of people who are our contemporaries, but also of mentors who can teach us a thing or two. And to, to take that teaching with a bit of humility, I think is also, that would be my third one. So, so first would be to put your head down and work. Second would be to raise your eyes and take a look around and see who you can find to be a part of your team or a part of your family or at least part of your network. And, um, and then it would be re uh, really to, to treasure those connections and form, and form them as you move forward. And then again, I think I mentioned this earlier in the call, don't forget to look back. So as you move forward, don't forget to look back. Don't forget to, uh, to look at those who are struggling near the beginning of their career, just as you were, even if you're only one year ahead of them, even if you're only two years ahead of them. If you have a contact that you can share with someone without hurting your own business, I would say absolutely go for it. Reach out to those who are younger than you and help pull them up. You'd be surprised how often that will turn around and benefit you um, in your profession. Of course, that's not the reason you would do it. You would do it for its own, for its own sake. But you'd be surprised how big of an impact that can, that can have on your growth. So hard work and a full understanding of our situation our potential team members, our potential family, our potential partners, our potential networks, both looking upwards and downwards are, are the advice that I would give. Wow, great tips there that we can all take action on today. So let me just summarize them again for our listeners. So the first one is to not be afraid of hard work, you know, be willing to put in the effort, the time, the energy that's needed to build your business, to build your profession, to build your career, really important. And then the second one is to raise your eyes and look around, look for mentors, look for opportunities around you. It's abounding. It's just about being resourceful and because resources are out there. And of course, the third one that Sherman shared with us is to form and treasure connections, build relationships, and of course, not to forget to look back and help others, mentor others. Um, it's a way of you giving back. And the more you do that, the more it comes back to you. And it, it's a joy being able to mentor others, to help them facilitate, help ease the journey for those who are just starting out, for example. Great takeaways there that we can uh, take action on today. So thanks for sharing. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes as well. Now, what's now? Entrepreneurs are wide leaders. I'd love for you to recommend a book or two that our listeners can get that will help them grow personally and professionally. Well, to be honest, my reading is primarily uh, primarily fiction. Um, I will tell you that uh, I would, of course, recommend my own book, Butterfly Stitching. But I would also say that some of my favorite books are, they're all fiction, but one of my favorite books of all time is To Kill a Mockingbird. And the reason I bring that up is that um, I've just read that the author of To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee, is to publish a second novel in July. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of To Kill a Mockingbird. It's been that uh, it's the it involves the story of an attorney representing an African American man uh, accused of a crime that he did not commit. It's a wonderful story. I would also tell you that I'm actually writing another book with a, a series of, of friends of mine that has to do with storytelling, which is a subject area that I raised earlier in the conversation. Storytelling as a means of advancing oneself professionally both in, uh, in our negotiation skills, in our advocacy skills, in our peace-building skills, 
as well as in our personal lives, in our spiritual lives. So be on the lookout for that. There will be a new book coming out, hopefully by the end of the summer. Yes, and uh, for your book, The Butterfly Switching, is it available on Amazon or where, does, where do our listeners can uh, uh, get a hold of it? It should be available everywhere. It's oh. available in bookstores, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, I think the electronic book is right now, we, we signed an exclusivity agreement with Kindle. So the electronic book is only available on Kindle, but the hard copy is available everywhere. Awesome, awesome. I'm, I'm definitely going to have this on our show notes and I'll make sure to pick up a copy of mine as well. So I highly encourage your <laughs> listeners to pick up that book, Butterfly Switching by Sherman Cruz. Now, last but not the least, Sherman, I'd love for you to share our listeners what's one big benefit that they can get with your product or your service, where they can get it, and what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you? And then we'll end from there. Certainly. Well, as I said, I am an attorney. I represent large corporations in disputes against other large corporations. I do appear in court, so I really only get involved when there is a big case. Uh, you know, one of the nice things, though, about my practice is I practice at a firm that is more of a mid-sized firm, so we're able to offer solutions to clients' businesses uh, for a very reduced fee. And the other feature that I think is very unique about my firm and my practice is, and I discussed earlier during the call, is the cre creativity that we employ in our problem-solving skills. We try to treat our clients' problems as though they really are our own problems and bring to solving those problems every single tool at our disposal, including, uh, of course, our propensity for hard work, creative thinking, and problem-solving. Great. And what's the best way that they can connect with you and learn more about the services that you provide, especially for our listeners out there uh, in, this, uh, in this industry? Certainly. The name of my law firm is Barrick, Ferrazano, Kirschbaum, and Nagelberg. The website is bfkn.com. That's B like boy, F like Frank, K like Kite, and like Nancy. And you can look at all the services we offer there. And you can also look at the attorney profiles and find me, Cruz with a K. And all of my contact information will be out there, including email and phone number. Um, my direct office number is 312-629-5178. All right, so that's, was it BFK? BFKN? BFAN. BFKN, yeah, K like kite. Got so it. BFKN.com. That's the thing with law firms, you know, because you take the last names of the founding members to form the name of the law firm. So they're always these very, very long, difficult to pronounce names. So we try to condense them into acronyms. Okay, so that's B as in Bravo, F as in Foxtrot, K as in Kilo, N as in Nano.com. I'll make sure to have this on our show notes. And of course, if you want to reach Sherman directly, that's 312-629-5178. Was it 78? That's right. Yeah, so that's 312-629-5178. So for our listeners out there, I highly encourage you to go to their website, BF kn.com and if their, their services resonate with you i highly encourage you to check them out jump in and of course to check and pick up sherman's book butterfly switching is available on their site on, on on bookstores and also on amazon again that link is bf 
kn.com. Sherman, thank you so much for being so generous in sharing your time and your inspiring story, your expertise for being a role model to many and for bringing such a positive energy with our listeners today. Women of the world, including me, appreciate you and wish you more success in business and in your life. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for your time. All right, TLW listeners, did you love this episode? Here's your chance to recommend or vote for your favorite today's leading woman. Here's how to do it. Step number one After you listen to this episode, go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. Step number two Click the rate and review button. Step number three, say that you love listening to today's Leading Women podcast. Step number four, type in the name of your favorite today's leading woman. Example, Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, Ariana Huffington of Huffington Post, Oprah of Oprah Winfrey Network. You get it, right? Step number five, type your first name and where you are listening from. Every day, I will personally go through all of your ratings and reviews and scour the names of your favorite today's leading women. You will get to be featured as TLW Fan of the Day with your name and where you're listening from. And you'll be the first one to get notified when your favorite today's leading woman is featured on the show. Fair enough? Awesome. Go to todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. That's www.todaysleadingwomen.com forward slash my iTunes. Feeling inspired and empowered to make it happen? Then take the next step and go get your free guide to the top 10 resources that today's leading women use to stay at the top of their game, plus Marie's favorite today. Visit todaysleadingwomen.com slash guide for your free download, and we'll see you on the next episode of Today's Leading Women with Marie Grace Berg.